Mai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. A Christian community that shares God's love and joy in the hope of making the world a better place. That's how the United Reformed Church describes itself. And today we meet two people whose whole life is dedicated to spreading that love and joy. And our music this week is from the International Staff Songsters of the Salvation Army. Here they are with Let All the World in Every Corner Sing. International Staff Songsters of the Salvation Army and Let All the World in Every Corner Sing, a track from an album released earlier this year called Lord, You Are the Song. Music is hugely important in the Salvation Army, but not just in their times of worship. The power of music to communicate God's love for everyone is at the very core of Salvation Army ministry. And, as you'll hear in a moment, there's a particular reason why music from the Salvation Army features in today's programme. My first guest is Reverend Dawn Mather, who has led the United Reformed Church here on the island for the last ten years, a ministry from which she retired just a couple of days ago at the end of August. There have been celebrations with her congregations in Ramsey and in Douglas, and now, as she prepares to leave the island and start a new phase of her life in retirement, close to her family in Lansing in Sussex, I caught up with her to reflect on her time here and to find out 
why she's a minister ordained in the United Reformed Church and not a Salvation Army officer. I was the daughter of Salvation Army officers. With my three brothers, we travelled the country with with mum and dad's ministry. So that it was natural when I was called to, to ministry that I would then become a Salvation Army officer, which I did for 10 years. And then I moved into the United Reformed Church ministry. Can I ask why you moved? Well, it was a combination of a lot of things. My theology was changing in that I was recognising how important communion and baptism were to the Christian faith. But also, in those days, if you were married, you had to be married to another Salvation Army officer. And my husband resigned, which meant I had to resign, even though that hadn't been my choice. It still was the way that, in those days, the system worked. So I moved with him, obviously, and in his new ministry with his church, And I felt so at home in the United Reformed Church, the discussions that I had, the open discussions about faith and uh, witness and, uh, and the freedom of expressing new ways of thinking within the United Reformed Church. I think it inspired me. And I think there's no coincidences with God. I think despite the strange way that I ended up in the URC, I think that that is how it was meant to be for me because I've been able to express myself as a minister. But more than that, I've always had from my father uh, a wonderful love of the Word of God. And it has energised my ministry all the way through. And it's this love of the word, of course, that, that is where the United Reformed Church stands on the word of God. And it's so much a part of the ministry within the URC Church. I think that's why I feel so at home. We're going to talk in a moment about a particularly close relationship between the United Reformed Church and the Methodist Church here on the island. What are the essential differences between the two denominations? Yes, it's really interesting because the Methodist Church is what's called a connectional church in that they work in connection with each other. Whereas we are a little bit more independent. We do work in in a synod, but each individual church finds its own path and is independent, if you like, of the other. For instance, on the island, you've got two URC churches. St Andrew's is very much a gathered church. It is a city church. It's a gathered church. People come from all over the island. Whereas Ramsey is a family church. And so although they're both URC churches, they're very, very different. And they have a very, very different way of expressing faith and sharing faith. So that, that I think, is the main difference, that Methodist churches tend to be similar and walking the same path, whereas the URC churches are more independent. If you were to search for St Andrews, the United Reformed Church here in Douglas, you'd quite easily find a substantial building on Glen Crutchery Road by the traffic lights at St Ninian's. But in Ramsey, there's no longer a United Reformed Church building, nor is there a Ramsey Methodist Church. How that came to be began some years ago with conversations that started between Dawn and Reverend Andrew Emerson, Methodist minister in Ramsey at the time, as Dawn now explains. 
Yes, well, I, I think actually it wasn't about buildings to start with. It wasn't about we have these buildings that are crumbling around us and we don't have the finance to put them right. It was about fellowship. Reverend Andrew, that was at, was at Ramsey Methodist Church, he and I began this conversation with the Ealing minister. We were exploring how much more we could do together in Ramsey if we worked as one. And initially, we thought maybe we'd build a nice new building for all the churches to come together, and, and that didn't materialise. But... What did materialise is this questioning of, is this the way God wants us to go between the Methodist and the URC? So we came together, the leaders, and we explored it in an evening. When we had explored it, we then went on to introduce it to the two churches and say, how are we going to go about doing this? And Richard Hall, the Methodist uh, superintendent at the time, came and spoke to us and he suggested a model that we could use in coming together to explore initially whether it would be the right path for us. The model he took was courting engagement and marriage. And so we began a courtship and the two churches would come together and and just have meals together and have fellowship together. We met for worship together once a month to begin with. And over over time, that became every week in alternate buildings. And then we came to the point where we recognised we needed to take this a step further. So we looked to our engagement and how we did that was to acknowledge where we wanted to be in the future. And it was part of that acknowledgement that we then signed this covenant that talked about buildings because we both recognised that we had these big buildings. And I think there was a reluctance from either church to leave theirs to go to the other. So we recognised there needed to be a fresh start. And it's worked beautifully. We're now, thanks to uh, a lovely generous offer from St Paul's, we're now meeting in St Paul's Hall. On the third Sunday of the month, we now are joining with St Paul's congregation. So maybe there's another courtship going on here. <laughs> and it's broadening everyone's horizons about what is possible to to work together for the kingdom of God, I think. Dawn, in your 10 years here, you will, I know, have achieved many, many things. But I would feel that this is one of the most important legacies that you have been involved in and will leave behind. It was such a difficult thing to do, but you did it very gradually, very sensitively. Everybody had their opportunity to think about it, pray about it. But being together is such a strength and being able to bring it through that process. I love this idea of courtship, engagement and marriage. Yeah. Um, do you look back on it and, and say, not a job well done, but good foundations laid? I, I think there were good foundations laid, but I don't think it was just me. I think there was a real team effort. Everybody pulled together, even those that were a little nervous about uh, what was happening. Even their input enabled us to grow and mature as a church together. And I would think everybody now says that they are one church. 
much and that they love each other and want to work together. So yes, it was a gradual process and I, and I am thankful to God. That's how I'm feeling at the moment. I'm really thankful to God that um, it has worked out as it has. And I hope that it will encourage other churches to realise that this is a a wonderful route of serving God in this place, you know, in, on this beautiful island. Now, Dawn, you, in retiring from your ministry here on the island, you're laying down all the administration, all the responsibilities, that, but you will always be a minister dedicating your life to God. How do you see your retirement now? Well, I've I've promised myself initially a little bit of time to get my bungalow up to scratch because it's uh, it's being renovated for me now. But I think when it comes to my ministry, I've always allowed God to guide me once I'm in a place rather than before. But one of my loves, as you know, is opening the word to people. And I've got it in my head that maybe my home could be used as a place where people could come and explore the Bible. But I also would like to support the wider United Reformed Church because I feel it has been so gracious allowing me to become a minister. I'm really emotional about this, but I'm very, very thankful to them for the opportunities that they've provided, for the support over the years that I've received, for the graciousness of the faith of the people, that even through really trying times and difficult times, there is still this wonderful element of hope and faith and optimism in a world that's very difficult to live in as Christians today. All I can say is that Reverend Dawn Mather, our loss is Lansing's gain. You <laughs> will you. be snapped up. Thank you for everything that you brought to the island and I wish you a very happy retirement. Well, thank you for your friendship too. It's been valued.
There's a light in heaven's window. More music from the international staff songsters of the Salvation Army. And before that, I was talking to Reverend Dawn Mather as she retires after 10 years serving the United Reformed Churches in Ramsey and in Douglas. Later this morning at 11 o'clock in St Andrews on Glencrutchery Road, there'll be a special service for Dawn and it's going to be led by the moderator of the Mersey Synod of the United Reformed Church, who's travelled from Liverpool especially for the celebration. He's Reverend Jeff Felton and he joins me now firstly to explain what is the role of the moderator. So the moderator of Mersey Synod is a kind of a regional minister, so I look after the region which covers the Isle of Man, Southport, Liverpool, West Lancashire, the Wirral and Cheshire. So there's 75 churches and I kind of look after those 75 churches along with all the ministers as well. A busy man. Yes, yep. Now Dawn has just explained to us that one of the defining features of the United Reformed Church is that each church has quite a different character. Is that pretty much typical? I think it is, yeah. I mean there's there's a, a wide spectrum of church styles and the way that people gather and that in the United Reformed Church and I think that brings a real richness to the denomination which is which is great. So uh, I would guess that you have a, a special care now for the island whilst, whilst an appointment is made. What we have to do now, once Dawn retires and moves away, is we appoint somebody to look after the the two churches. We call them an interim moderator, and they have a very light hand on what's needed and, and, and how things work. And they're also involved in the process of trying to find a new minister for the churches as well. So there'll be one person that's appointed to work with the local churches from the Synod, Part of their role will be to find somebody to to fill the fill the vacancies. Jeff, tell me a little bit about yourself because what always always interests me is people's individual call to ministry because it's yep. always so different. Sure, yeah. So, so yeah. how did you get to where you are today? So all my life as a as a young lad. I used to uh, walk on beaches and collect rocks and fossils and such like. And I, all my life, I wanted to be a geologist. That was my that was my ambition as a as a teenager. So I studied geology at university, and then I became a geologist and worked as a geologist for seven years in the North Sea on the oil rigs. But then while I was there, I I had a moment where I sort of thought, is this it? This is what I've always wanted to do, been what I've been searching for all my life, and this is it. And I was in my early 20s at the time, and I thought, surely there's more than this. I did have an active faith, and I, I prayed about it, and just felt that God had other plans for me. So I applied for a few other jobs as a youth worker and a student worker and things like that, but didn't get anywhere. And then my minister said to me, have you thought about going to Bible college? So I thought, oh, that's, there's a thought. So I gave up work. I had a mortgage and a wife, so I gave up work, went to Bible college with the idea of just listening to God to see what he was calling me to. And I didn't think I was going to become a minister because that's not what I was aiming at. And then in my final year, looked at all the options that I'd studied over the three years at Bible college. And they were all subjects like pastoral care, preaching, ministry, skills, New Testament studies, all that kind of thing, which pointed to becoming a minister. So I applied to the United Reformed Church and they said yes. And then I studied with them for a couple of years and then started my ministry in Canterbury. In I was ordained in 2000, stayed in Canterbury for 10 years. I had three churches there. Uh, then after 10 years, moved to Essex. 
where I had one church and I was there for 11 years and then I moved up to Merseyside to Mersey Synod in 2021. So I've been there for two years. And now you've got 75 churches. Indeed, yeah. yeah, yeah. Picked up a few more along the way. I love this idea of having a burning ambition and then saying, is this all there is? Yeah, well, in the Bible it says that the Lord gives you the desires of your heart. And I think he did that with me. He gave me the desires of my heart, but he made me realise it wasn't all there was to life. And it requires, along the way, you meeting the right people. You know, you mentioned that you were married. So... Your wife, she too must have felt that this was what you really needed to explore. Yeah, I mean, we're very much a team, the two of us, and we always have been, which is, you know, is great because she understands, she's got an active faith and she understands the pressures of leading churches and the all that goes with that, the, you know, the long hours and the being out in the evenings and such like. So she's been a real rock, you know, in our marriage and that and um, supporting me in that as well, which has been fantastic. She works for International Justice Mission, who are a um, an anti-slave anti-trafficking organisation and she's their their head of finance and she loves that because she's an accountant so she spends all her day looking at spreadsheets but she really supports what's behind the spreadsheet as it were which is great and and the the thing with that organisation is it they're a very deeply Christian based organisation so they're motivated by their faith to see people set free because they believe that God loves them and and that, that we're called as people to help set people free so they're they're a wonderful organization and and sarah's been with them now for quite a few years yeah she really enjoys the work although it is dark at times and difficult it's a work that really helps people it's a work that you wish didn't need yes yeah exactly But what is going on in the churches that inspires you the most? What do you see your churches doing? I think one of the big things, Judith, that I I love about the United Reformed Church is that the churches do have a heart for people. So they're not a business or they're not after money or anything like that. They have a real heart for people. So when our churches run things such as warm hubs or cafes for people who are lonely or isolated, the reason that they're doing that is because they're interested in people's lives. And obviously they're motivated by their faith to do that because, you know, we believe that that Jesus was interested in people's lives. You know, he he really wanted to know people and to, to help people and that as well. And so we take that into the world today and we try and help people and and get involved in people's lives so we do that through things like we run asylum support centers we've got one church at the moment that's working quite closely with the ukrainian community in chester and they're they're just in the process of trying to employ a ukrainian psychologist to help with trauma issues amongst that community there's things like alpha courses and all that to help people think about their faith and spirituality and where god fits into into all all of life There's a real richness and a real diversity within the denomination, which I I find wonderful.
Served by Love, a little more music from the International Staff Songsters of the Salvation Army. Thank you to my guests this morning, Reverend Dawn Mather and Reverend Jeff Felton. And they will both be in St Andrew's United Reformed Church here in Douglas, taking part in the service that starts there this morning at 11 o'clock, where everyone will be made most welcome. And now it's time for us to take a look at our notice board. Tonight, the Mariners' Choir start their new series of services when they'll be in Begaro Methodist Chapel for a service starting at half past six, at which Mr Nigel Cretney will preach, the soloist will be Mr Bill Corlett and Mr Eric Kelly will be the organist. There'll be refreshments and community hymn singing after the service and, as usual, there's a warm welcome for everyone. Tomorrow, Monday, it's another Super Monday in the lounge at Colby Methodist Church. Between noon and half past one, there'll be homemade soup with fresh bread, followed by tea or coffee. No charge, but donations to cover costs would be most welcome. On Tuesday the 5th, there's a coffee morning in Port St Mary Methodist Church, open from 10 till half past 11. And then on Friday the 8th, Port St Mary Methodist Church is the venue for two events, a soup lunch served between noon and half past one, and later on Friday there'll be a crafternoon starting at three o'clock. Bring along something you're working on or come empty-handed and choose from one of the crafts that'll be there for you to try. Back now to Tuesday the 5th and there's a film night in Castletown Methodist Church Lounge. It starts at 7 o'clock. All are welcome. Tea and biscuits will be provided and there's no charge. On Wednesday the 6th, Castletown Metropolitan Silver Band, conducted by Juan Wright, will be in concert in St Thomas's Church, just off the promenade here in Douglas. The concert starts at quarter to eight. Admission and light refreshments are free and there's a chance to give to a retiring collection if you wish. And don't forget, there's coffee and chat in St Thomas's every Friday morning from half past ten. On Thursday evening, there's another summer concert in St Catherine's Church in Port Erin, starting at a quarter to eight, with refreshments in the church hall afterwards. The music this week is provided by Musicale, and whilst admission is free, a little donation to the collection as you leave will be greatly appreciated. And there's lots happening next Saturday, September the 9th. There'll be strawberry cream teas served at Christchurch at the Dune next Saturday afternoon from 2 o'clock. Delicious sandwiches, cakes, strawberries and cream and freshly brewed tea. The cost is £10 for adults, children £4. 
Next Saturday evening in Bride Methodist Chapel, you're invited to An Evening with Minds Ashanti, a highly entertaining group of singers specialising in sea shanties. It starts at half past seven and tickets are £10, including refreshments. To reserve yours, text or phone Claire on 451 692 or just turn up and pay at the door. Also next Saturday night, the Summer Singers are in concert in St Paul's Church in Ramsey. The choir, accompanied by Frank Woolley, will be joined by special guests Simon Fletcher and Gareth Moore, with compere Mark Tiley. The concert starts at half past seven with free admission, a retiring collection and refreshments afterwards. And finally, next Sunday evening, the Mariners Choir are in St John's Methodist Church for a service starting at half past six when Reverend Joanna Smart will be the preacher. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back later in our virtual lounge tonight at nine with a mix of easy listening music, your requests and dedications. And I'd love you to join me if you can. And so, till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Mm -hmm.